0: At Sound Transit, we not only connect more people to more places, we're making life better for all. We're connecting diverse neighborhoods to an entire region of opportunities, like jobs and school. If you have an ORCA card, you can just tap and go. We have reduced fares for seniors and riders with disabilities. For adults with lower incomes, check out ORCA Lift and pay just a dollar for your ride. To plan your trip or to learn more, visit us at soundtransit.org.
1: Hi, my name is Mian Rice, the Diversity and Contracting Director for the Port of Seattle. As a public agency, the Port of Seattle serves the community and our investments should benefit everyone who lives and works here. The Port is committed to equity, diversity and inclusion and to leveling the playing field. That means continuing to open doors to contracting opportunities to all, especially women and minority owned and disadvantaged businesses. How can you participate? List your business in Vendor Connect, a database of contractors. Attend PortGen workshops to learn how to do business with the port. Learn more about contracting opportunities at portseattle.org. For more information on operating a concessions at Seattle Tacoma International Airport, visit lease.seataxshops.com.
2: Urban Forum Northwest with your host Eddie Rye Jr. I have the distinct honor and pleasure of having the state representative from the 37th district on Chipalo Street, who has made headlines on a lot of occasions, for good things. And uh, sir, I'd like to have you start off just uh, tell us a little bit about your background, where you're from. I notice you have a 202 area code, uh, so you've been around uh, D.C. and other places. So why don't you just share with our listeners a little bit about who you are. And uh, I know most of the people that uh in your district know who you are because they voted for you and that's why you're in office right now
3: go right ahead sure, sure. thanks for having me on today Mr Riley it's a it's an honor um I grew up originally in DC and so I grew up from elementary school all the way through high school in DC and then went to uh college in Rhode Island from there I mastered in computer uh got a master's in computer science and moved out to Seattle directly thereafter so I've been here for 15 years Um, i think it's interesting a lot of people ask me how i got involved in politics it wasn't something i was planning on doing but i think growing up in dc you're surrounded by politics and understand politics a little bit more than most people however you have a pessimistic view of politicians because we don't get to vote for the things that happen in congress while we get to vote for laws that we make in dc congress won't pass our budget into if they don't like one of the laws so I think we passed medical marijuana back in the 80s or 90s, but they didn't like it, so they didn't pass our budget and we couldn't implement the law. And so I had a very pessimistic view of politicians. And then when I came out here, there's a program called Institute for Democratic Future, and that's a civic training program. So it's not if you want to go into politics, but many people who are interested in politics do it. And for over Every other week for six months, you go to a different part of the state and learn about different issues. So we go to central Washington, stay in farm worker housing, then talk to the farm farmer the next day, go up to Northwest Washington and learn about timber, southwest Washington learn about fisheries and oysteries. And so you get a really complete view of state and issues that are going on around it and then you also have a weekend on campaigns and elections get to shadow a legislator so i got to shadow uh former representative Pettigrew, and that gave me more hope for sort of what is going on at a more local level like i think everyone's sort of seen the stymied progress that happens at the federal level not much gets done but a lot's happening at state and municipal levels and so through that interaction with idf i served on their board ever since I went through the program in 2015. And then when this rather unexpected opening happened, because we had just uh, elected former representative Kirsten Harris-Talley, she stepped back rather unexpectedly. And some folks were like, hey, you represent the district really well. You have a lot of good experience. You should consider running. And I just went for it from there. Well, that's great.
2: Uh, You said that you have got a master's in computer science. So I take it you're employed by
3: one of the technology companies in the area? Correct. I came out here. I had been working for Microsoft since I moved out here. So have you started your own company yet? I actually started a company in college that I wish I would have sort of carried through with. It was around um, digital biology and wearables, which have, as you've seen, exploded in the Fitbits and different Apple health watches and different things like that. So maybe if I had continued down that path, I'd be in a different place right now. So
2: what are some of your uh, legislation that you've promulgated while you have been in the House? And uh, tell us about some of the challenges that you faced in trying to get the legislation through.
3: Sure. So coming into the legislature, uh, there were some priorities that I had. Number one, Washington State has the most regressive tax code in the country. And so I really want to work towards progressive revenue. And so that drove me to uh, look to be on the finance committee. And not only did I make it onto the finance committee, I made it to be the vice chair of the finance committee and that has been really interesting to understand how we like the laws that we have around taxation and how we collect that revenue and this session a wealth tax was dropped and that's really exciting to see that moving forwards um we have i introduced an estate tax or better yet we have an estate tax i introduced a bill to make our estate tax more progressive so adding Additional brackets at the upper end and raising the rates on those upper brackets so that everyone's paying their fair share. And there's also a conversation around a uh, increased real estate excise tax so that um, when folks are selling very expensive homes, they pay a portion of that profit into a fund that could be used for things like affordable housing. So finance and progressive uh, income is really important to me. Um, The environment, we have a climate crisis and we're starting to see more and higher impact climate crisis um, events pile up across the state, right? Like we've seen heat domes kill seniors, droughts are threatening the financial solvency of our um, farms we have atmospheric rivers and floods causing landslides and we have to do something about that so joining the environment and energy committee was really important as part of that committee I dropped a climate resiliency bill the state has a climate resiliency plan but it hasn't been updated for 10 years and as we've seen like smoke and wildfire we have a new season called smoke season and so we need to find ways to make our economy and our environment uh, more resilient to these climate crises. I also have a battery recycling bill. Like electronics and technology are increasing in our society. And as we want to move towards a green economy, we need to electrify our economy, and batteries will be a part of storing that energy. They're really important for helping us get an electric economy, but the minerals that we need to create them. Take a lot of carbon to mine them. And then if we don't dispose of them correctly, they poison our environment. So making sure that we can recycle our batteries so that we can reclaim those minerals, put them back into new batteries, I think is really important to make sure that we have a healthy sort of environment that we can all live in. And then the other A committee that I serve on is the Innovation, Community Development, and Veterans Committee. As we mentioned before, I work in technology. I think it's really important that we have people in the legislature who understand technology. And so that's one of the reasons I joined that committee. Community development is also really important to the 37th. We're one of the most diverse districts. And while homeownership has been a very effective tool for often white families to build generational wealth, um, small businesses has done the same thing for immigrants, refugees, and people of color, and so making sure that we have government that works for small businesses through this community development um, committee is really important. But those are just some of the committees I sit on. That said, there are plenty of other issues that are really important to our district, like housing. Unfortunately, housing was at the same time as the environment committee, but I was still able to sponsor bills like rent stabilization missing middle to address both the supply side but also protections for our renters and then public safety as we know we see different instances for example with Tyree Nichols um, and disparate impacts and of policing I was able to introduce a traffic safety bill which not only provided a grant program for people to fix uh, broken equipment on their car but also reclassified a set of violations from secondary to from primary to secondary. So a primary violation is something that a police officer can stop before. So right now you could be stopped for, say, a broken taillight or um, something hanging from your rear view mirror. However, those infractions don't really attribute to public safety or road safety. The things that do attribute to road safety are things like drunk driving. Right? We want our police officers to be finding drunk drivers. We want our police officers to be getting reckless drivers off the street. So by making certain secondary or primary violations that don't attribute to public safety, like a broken taillight to a secondary violation, police officers would not be able to stop someone for those violations and then they would free their time up to fight things like DUIs and reckless driving. So that was another bill that I was very proud of. It did not make it off the House floor, but that does not mean the fight's over. Um, It made it farther than most people expected it. And so in the interim, I'm gonna definitely be doing a lot of work on that because I think that's really, really important, especially in this year where you have the most traffic deaths in Washington State's history.
2: Well, Reverend uh, Chipano Street, you had mentioned uh, you're vice chair of uh, uh, the Finance Committee. And, you know, we're talking about reparations right now. But to my understanding, uh, African Americans, African descendants of the United States enslaved, the people they're talking about reparations about who can trace their lineage back 400 years, 23, and me and other folks can prove what, what people used to stifle this movement over the decades. Now we have a response to that. But, uh, wouldn't it be better if we started by at least being involved in the financial system uh is there a black owned bank in washington state that you're aware of
3: i am not but there used to be one up on 23rd and union and that I, was I 40 heard years ago of, that was quite some time ago Yeah, it was. Yes, indeed. Um, <laughs> but yes the, not only could we do a black owned bank we could do a state-owned bank a publicly owned bank that isn't run for profits that could then reinvest those um, that money into communities of color. Well, no, I'm just and stuff saying. Like I'm that. talking about
2: African descent of the United States enslaved. That's what I'm talking for sure. about. Sure, people who qualify for reparations. So, for I'm sure. saying, as long as uh we're not fully included in the system, you know, we can talk about reparations. But if you're serious about reparations, how come we're not involved in the economic system? Now, just to give you an idea, in 2020, uh companies are owned by app by by blacks, and I don't know if it includes uh, uh, folks from the continent but uh, did 0.18%. It was so bad that Congressman Benny Thompson wrote a letter to the Attorney General and the Secretary of the Department of Transportation asking for an investigation. So, you know, uh, right now we have Democrats in control, but the results look like uh, the Proud Boys are in charge when it comes down to Black folks. Uh, Because, you know, to have that kind of disparity, uh, that's why we lost the the central area. Because of that. And then they had... Uh, when my great when my grandfather and folks came through they couldn't get an FHA loan, but white families could. For sure. So we have a lot of disparities. People talk about reparations. We can't have an honest talk about reparations unless we do something right now to prove the intent that reparations are going to be forthcoming and justice and fairness is going to be forthcoming to African descendants of the United States enslaved. So I have worked with Senator Bob Hasegawa. I know he got uh got pushed back all the time uh when yep. he tried to uh uh when he tried to pass a state bank deal so hopefully you'll have more success than him and uh, I'm saying is that we really need to be at the table and just not on the menu and as long as we don't sure have a bank I know like I'm hearing that in the International District Chinatown there are 12 banks and you know even a minority business program is not always fair because African descendants don't have access to offshore money and all those other folks that we're competing with have countries with treasuries and airlines and uh, I mean, and they can take care of their folks, you know, some communities that you've lived in D.C., uh, look at the size of uh, the Ethiopian. I mean, I'm not surrounding them. I'm happy to see black folks own anything. But the Ethiopian community has done a fantastic job. Huge uh, communities in New York in D.C. in Los Angeles and other places. But, you know, they have airlines. So you hear know, people can't always say, yeah, all the minorities are the same because all minorities are not the same. you need that
3: money to be able to do seed funding for small businesses and whatnot like if you don't have the money then that's one of the things i always say is like follow the money which is why i wanted to be on the finance committee or like you mentioned um the war on drugs and the disproportionate impact that that's had on the black community specifically so one of the good things there is the community reinvestment act the legislature set aside 200 million dollars to address some of the impacts of that but to your point those are sort of one-offs where you need to be completely integrated into that financial system so that it is a ongoing thing?
2: Well, you know, uh, we've been joined by Bishop Reggie Witherspoon and also by uh, the distinguished pastor of the Seattle First AME Church, uh, Reverend Dr. Kerry Anderson. And uh, gentlemen, I'm talking to uh, your state representative from the 37th District, uh, Chipalo Street. Uh, I think both of their churches are in the 37th District. and uh, Very pastor close. <laughs> yeah, so 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 I just wanted you to know who they are, and uh, we're going to be talking about uh, the 55th anniversary of the assassination of Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., which was April 4th, 1968. At the end of the program, we're going to be talking about uh, four people who got put in jail on April 4th, and that was Elmer Dixon, Larry Gossett, Cliff Wyatt, Travis Slavers, and uh, 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 yeah, Cliff Wyatt. Anyway. Uh they put two brothers out of school out in Franklin and then the principal was sending two young African American girls home because they had naturals. And he said, you can come back to school when you look ladylike. And we like you indicated earlier, we're still fighting that fight. So uh uh our program uh will air on uh tomorrow on Thursday. So I want to let everybody know. Uh uh so anyway, I wanted I want you you said you could hang on with us, sir. And yeah, we've also sure. been doing by a new uh, new reverend, a new minister. Uh, Lanisha de Barlovin, who is also the president and CEO of the Northwest African American Museum. And she will be co-host, co-emceeing with me uh, next Tuesday, April 4th, at the Holgate Street Church of Christ as we have a day of remembrance and remember some of the people who made our way for us in, in Seattle and Washington State. And uh, so we want to uh, acknowledge them, but also acknowledge the fact that it's been 55 years since Dr. King's assassination. And he and he was a member of the clergy. A lot of people. He was a civil right. He also. But it all came out to church. Uh, No telling where we would be if Dr. King would have had social media back in the day, because people had to walk through the rain, the sleep, the snow to get to the church house to hear the meeting firsthand. But at least they all heard the same thing at the same time. Wasn't nobody able to edit nothing out. So uh, I want to go to to Bishop Reggie Witherspoon, who will be the speaker. Matter of fact, the last event we had. The gentleman from First CME kind of lit the crowd up, and we're trying to motivate people to get them engaged in civil rights and fighting for their rights. Because we did not get it over by just being nice and kind with our heads down and shuffling along. We had to stand up and do some fighting. So, Bishop Reggie, thank you for joining us. I want to have you go ahead and make the first remarks, sir. Since you're going to be there, uh, delivering uh, the, the speech on uh, next Tuesday on the fourth, and I'm glad you uh, changed everything around to make sure you could be there. So welcome yeah. to urban Northwest, northwestern let's hear a few remarks from you sir about the impact dr king had on you
4: well i wouldn't be doing what i'm doing without him quite frankly i i mean that i was an, a, an avid student of what he proposed what what he espoused and i think it has made me had a lot to do with making me the the, the uh, spiritual man that i am in the leadership role that i am in uh my thing has always been here we are 55 years later after his untimely death we have to really grapple with some some really um tough questions where are we uh, what type of progress have we made and i agree with you uh, brother and i heard you saying i was uh, that we need to get more of us around the table and i'm 100 percent agreement but i also want to submit to you that um we you know let's not just ask to sit at the table we need to start buying our own table and I think that's one of the things that we have got to get to. One of the big victories uh, our, our the, you know, the white race has, the slave master has has accomplished was to keep black folk divided and polarized. And I think we're at a place now where we must understand we are indeed better together. And I believe Dr. King would espouse that 100%. As a matter of fact, he did. Look at what one woman, Harriet Tubman, that that great abolitionist, the one woman, Eddie. Friends, what could we do if we'd come together? We need to demand to be at the table. but We also need to be need to be commanding some things, and so uh, he's really helped me to understand that any and everything and all things are possible. And I'm looking forward to getting together on Tuesday and discussing. You know, and, you know, I mean, we're in such dire straits. We've got people on the right who are who are justifying why they don't want to discuss critical race theory and just so many you know they're ignorant in so many ways and 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 you know you discuss slavery in schools <laughs> you were happy to do so but don't want to discuss critical race theory which does not indict individuals in their and what they it's a system that critical race theory is after and it's very accurate so happy to be with you my friend and looking forward to uh, hearing from these great people as well and looking forward to what's going to happen on Tuesday
2: Okay, we'll go to, to Dr. Carrie Anderson, Miss Lanisha, because you just crossed the path the other day, but you've been doing outstanding work in the community. We're proud of you. So, Dr. Dr. Uh, Reverend Dr. Carrie Anderson the First Seattle First Me.
5: First of all, let me say uh good afternoon to everyone. And certainly Eddie uh Rye has been on the front line for many, many years. And to my esteemed colleague and brother, whom I love very dearly, Bishop well, Witherspoon, the work that he's doing. And I'm so excited about. State rep Chipalo Street. We we've uh, shared together in my office and wishing him well in his work down at the state capitol. And to my dear, dear sister, Reverend Lanisha, Reverend Dr. Lanisha, I mean, she's just doing an outstanding job. She's the new assistant pastor at New Hope uh, Missionary Baptist Church here in the city. So all of these distinguished people, I'm just glad to be in the number. And as we are looking and celebrating and remembering and reflecting on Dr. King's assassination. uh, I'm, I'm reminded of the old adage, you can kill the dreamer, but not kill the dream. So we've got to continue to exemplify his ideals. Of course, he was with sanitation workers, talking about jobs. I am a man and I am a woman. And so we've got to highlight those things now and look at the job market look at how we are xed out being xed out being unincluded and so i'm just excited to be a uh available to be a part of bishop witherspoon's presentation i'm going to sit there with my bills on and uh hearing what this great man of god has to say to share with everyone so i'm glad to be here brother rye thank
2: you i'll, I'll let you know representative street was at uh, the black history event uh Pastor Anderson, when you spoke. Now to our newly or- ordained Reverend Lanisha de the President and CEO of the Northwest African American Museum, and also was Chair of the Board of All the Black Museums in America. So you know she's a dynamic lady. So go right ahead, my sister.
6: Brother Eddie, thank you so much for having the Northwest African American Museum on today as a part of the commemoration event on April 4. We're just delighted to be here with Representative Street, Bishop Witherspoon, Reverend Dr. Anderson, and all of the listeners. We are looking forward to honoring and celebrating the life the leadership and the legacy of Dr. King. But this still is Women's History Month, this is March. And so we also remember all of the black women who helped to Elevate the dream and keep the dream alive even after April 4, 1968. We remember uh, Mother Alberta Williams King, Dr. King's mother. We remember Sister Christine King, his sister. We remember the wonderful uh, Coretta Scott King. We remember Yolanda King and and, uh, the wonderful Reverend Bernice King, who's still carrying on the the torch. And we remember those women who were active in the movement with him. We remember Rosa Parks and and Septima Clark and Ella Baker and Dorothy Height and Fannie Lou Hamer and all of the women who alongside Dr. King who helped to uh, elevate equity and opportunity in this country. And so we come together to remember and to uh, make a path forward together.
2: Very, very well stated because that reminds me of uh, 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 Bishop Witherspoon's, uh, one of his members by the name of Angela Rye. Uh, she did a, a little video on WOKE, and boy, I tell you, uh, people need to see it. I tried to post it. Uh, Stephanie Ogle, who is my tech, technical lady, I can do very little technology without her. So I'm gonna make sure she has that put up on my Facebook. And people need to see that because uh, they had a sister, MC, was uh, interviewing a lady that came out, white lady made these statements, And she couldn't explain what woke was. So, you know, it just goes to show you, you know, people grab something and run with it. So I want to, first first of all, ask uh, the three of you if you have a question or a comment for Representative Street from the 37th District.
4: Well, I want to say first, thank you, man, for your work. One of the things I espouse, and I'm really, 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 really moving more and more in that direction, is we need to start raising up our own politicians. We literally do. We need to start raising up politicians. And so I want to encourage you, my friend, to not forget who you are. Uh, we know that, you know, you represent the political arena. And uh, I want you to change my view on a lot of politics, please, sir. Uh, I want to be able to, I believe that you have a sense of, of um, you know, of conviction. And, you know, you, you live your conviction, you die your condemnation, but don't I encourage you as a spiritual leader. Don't let politics eat you up and cause you to lose your identity. Please represent your people well. Do it with its distinction and conviction. And
3: know when you do so, we have your back. Absolutely. I appreciate that. I really do appreciate that. And I would love to, like, in the interim, have some conversations about ways we can move the community forward. I know for me, as I was saying earlier, it really gave me confidence in the political process when I saw local leaders making change, and so opening up that doorway and having that sort of open communication about how we can partner on things. I think hopefully we'll do the same for you as well.
2: I want to ask Eric, Eric, did we get uh, the uh, Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King all here and now? Were we able to get that? Yes. Could you play that right quick, please?
7: We don't need to utter but three words to tell this nation what we are talking about. They aren't big words. You don't need to have a great vocabulary to utter them. You don't need to have a philosophical bent to grasp them. They are three little words. But we want to let the world know that these words describe what we mean and what we are determined to do about racial injustice. One is the word all. We don't want some of our rights. We don't want a few token handouts here and there. We want all of our rights. The the word is here, there are some people who, who say that we need to go back to Africa. And then there are some others who tell Negroes in the South to leave the South. You can't be free, so get out. But down in Alabama and Mississippi and Georgia and South Carolina, we are saying something else now. We want all of our rights, and we want all of our rights here in Alabama and Mississippi and South Carolina. And then there's a third word. It is the word now. We are not willing to wait 100 years for our rights. We are not willing to wait 50 years for what is ours on the basis of the Constitution of this United States and the authority of God himself. No, we are not willing to wait another 25 years for our rights. We can hear voices telling us to slow up we can hear voices telling us to cool off. Our only answer in calm, patient turn must be that we have cooled off too long, and if we keep cooling off, we'll end up in a deep freeze. We must go on and say. Know what we are saying to this nation is that we want all of our rights. We want them... Here and we want all of them, not next year, not next week, but we want them now at this hour. This is what you're saying.
2: I just thought that'd be inspirational for everybody to hear because uh, we're in that battle once again with voter suppression. And it's really sad, but I've been hearing that some black folks have been suppressing their own vote by not participating in what some of our forefathers and people that came before us died for. And I don't think we can let anybody forget that. Uh, as a matter of fact, if we weren't voting, uh, You know, the 37th District has changed at one time, but I remember when you know uh, the 37th District was about the only chance we've had until uh, Jesse Weinberry knocked off an incumbent in 1984, inspired by Jesse Jackson and won, won the race on the 43rd district. So uh, uh, in terms of uh, any kind of uh, of action, uh, what would any of the three of you suggest that that we do to ensure that we participate in the economic system?
5: Well, one of the things I'd like to share with us, uh, Brother Rye, is that, uh, first of all, it's an excellent question. Uh, right here in Seattle, for the residents of Seattle, take advantage of the democracy vouchers as a city of seattle resident you have four 25 dollar democracy vouchers that you can utilize to uh, mark for the candidate of your choice for city council uh the 37th district uh comprises district three in the seattle city council race and it's a wide open race there are several candidates that are running and they need your support. Do not accept defeat by default. Utilize your God-given right, and plus your free right. This is a a city ordinance that was put into place. You can utilize those vouchers. It's not trash. don't throw it away. And then as state rep, uh, Chapalo Street had talked about the 200 million that is now in the budget. Well, there were grassroots Uh, personalities that help to sponsor that and to push that. I was in that one of those pockets. And now, since it has been codified, we need to utilize our collective strength and let us submit to get a piece of that $200 million to rebuild our infrastructure in the Black community, rebuild our businesses, start businesses, and help us to launch new ideas to uh, help us uh, build wealth and create wealth. So that's my two cents and I'm sticking to it.
2: Reverend uh, DeBartlevin.
6: Yes, Brother Eddie, thank you for playing that clip of Dr. King, because we often remember his words, the fierce urgency of now, but that clip allows us to really broaden the, the notion, the fierce urgency of all here and now. And one thing that we can all do uh, right here and right now is to spend our dollars with Black businesses. If we can intentionally, before the end of this week, find a Black business to spend your dollars and invest your dollars in that Black business. That is one way that we can bring economic empowerment to ourselves and to our community.
2: Exactly. I hope we, and Bishop Reggie? Before yes, we go to the, the elected official we go to Yeah, to- no I yeah. think
4: you couldn't have said it any better both of you Dr Carrie Anderson my again my good friend we um we we have Kendrick spirits and you you um you mail you nailed it we we need to support our own business man we you know what I keep telling people we we got to get kill the slave master in our minds. And, uh, you know, Carter G. Woodson, you know, in the book, The Miseducation of the Negro, he said, if you control the mind of an individual, you don't worry about their actions. And our minds have been controlled to not support one another. I think our dollar doesn't even turn over one time in our community. That therein lies the problem, friends. If we can get our people to support our businesses, our economics would just skyrocket astronomically. So I think that's one. And two, there is money out there for us. We need to get our right people in the right places to find out where that money is, and then we need to go ahead and demand what's rightfully ours. I think those two things are mandatory and necessary. But it needs charity starts at home. Let's start supporting our own businesses. Bottom line,
2: uh, I want to ask uh, Representative Street: What is the process of uh, establishing a state-owned bank for that would be black-owned and black-controlled? Is that the FDIC through the federal regulators or what?
3: So one of the things I want to look at this in this interim is what it takes to do the state-owned bank. One of the limitations that people have hit so far is that in our state constitution, we have a prohibition on gifts of public public money to people other than the poor and indigent. So generally when a bank gives a loan that's viewed as a gift of public money, so we need to figure out a way around that. And so one of the ideas is making sure that when they give loans, it's for things like low-income housing or student loans to people who are in need so that we can get around some of the limitations in the Constitution. But one thing that is hopefully coming up, I want to give a shout out to uh, Representative Jamila Taylor. She's working on the Covenant Homeowner Reinvestment Act, which would provide um, down payment assistance to folks who have Um, can show that they are from Washington State because we know through research is more than 40,000 racially restrictive covenants and since we can show that harm to our community and other communities of color uh, we can collect a tax which would be on the document recording fee have a pool of money which can then be distributed to anyone that can show that they have been here for a couple of generations so I want people to start getting that documentation ready so that when we pass it you can just come out and automatically sign up and get some help for a down payment so that we can bring people back to our community and have home ownership, which is another way that the white community has built um generational wealth over time. And we need to do that in the black community as well. If we can get
2: more than 0.18%, that'd be a good start of the state's business because we do pay taxes. And this has been allowed to fester for years. And unfortunately it's happening under Democrats' control. But I mean, uh Even, uh, I mentioned earlier, Congressman Benny Thompson wrote a scathing letter uh, to uh, Mary Garland, Attorney General and Secretary of DOT, uh, Pete Buttigieg, imploring them to do an investigation into this uh, widespread discrimination in this state. So they paid, there's always a disparity. So we've had nine disparity studies, two private studies all say the same thing. African descendants, United States enslaved are being discriminated against. So now I understand there's another study that's underway right now i had them because sister doing the study She's i know the studies are made her a multimillionaire, millionaire but you know uh, the thing about it, it's got to be more than consultants uh the other sad thing is that i'm hearing that over 60 percent of african-american males drop out of the trades by a third year our contractors come out of the trades once you become proficient as an electrician you can become an electrical contractor the same thing with a carpenter the same thing with the sheet metal guy. But the thing is, is that if they get ran out, you know, last year we had two instances of nooses hanging in the workplaces, one at Meta, Facebook headquarters, the other was at at Microsoft. They had five nooses hanging over this lady's, uh, African-American lady's uh, workplace. So, uh, you know, the unions say, uh, well, you know, like the Redmond police said, they were going to do a hate crime investigation of James Myers, who was uh, the brother over at, at the Facebook headquarters, Meta is what they called it. Uh, I haven't heard no results from that from that uh, hate crime uh, reservation, or if it even happened. And then the other thing is that these are union members, and we just have to, you know, uh, a lot of these union members, especially in the trades, are not friendly to black folks at all. And there seems to be very little that can be done about it. Uh, you know, uh, my father was uh, belonged to the only union a black man could belong to. He was a Northwest organizer for the Brotherhood of Sleeping Car Porters, organized by Philip Randolph. The only union a black man could belong in. They let no women in unions back in them days. But every time they needed us, we showed up. Look at World War II, Rosie River. A whole bunch of sisters out of Boeing put together airplanes to to help this country. And not to mention, uh, like right now, I make a lot of people upset. There should not be black troops anywhere else in the world fighting for somebody else's freedom when they don't have the freedom here. Our enemies are not foreign. They're domestic. So, uh, you know, that, that's my spin on things. I see Hayward is the co-convener of uh, the MLK uh, Commemoration Committee has joined us. what are you there? I'm here, yes. Okay. I, well, I, I, if I may, well, I
8: love this conversation going on, but until there's an enforcement mechanism, either you give these people a reward for hitting those uh, uh, goals to have more uh, participation of people of color, or they get punished. Because all I hear, Eddie, is pontification. You know, we've heard this conversation See all my adult life going back to college. So they say, we're going to examine it. We're going to write a report. Nine plus disparity studies all saying the same thing. And the money still hasn't been issued. Then they let one or two people get through the cracks. And they're, you're supposed to look up to them. But what happened to everybody else? We get yeah. kicked to the curb. But anyway, that's a
2: sidebar. Okay. So anyway, uh I want to go over the program for Tuesday at uh, Hogate Street, Church of Christ on uh, 2600 South Holgate Street and Martin Luther King, Jr. Way South. Uh, there will be uh, entertainment provided. We're going to have a meal before because and I'm saying I hope the brothers and sisters don't eat and then go home. But anyway, Chef Jamil Jamil's Big Easy is catering the event. Uh, it will be already at 530. Uh, we're going to talk Josephine Howell and Butch Harrison and Chandler Williams in providing some music and entertainment uh, during that hour on the inside before we actually start the program. And then, as we mentioned already, uh, Bishop uh, Reggie Witherspoon, Sr., uh, Dr. Divinity, DD, will be uh, the speaker. And uh, as I mentioned earlier, uh, on the Black History event MLKCC sponsored, Dr. Carrie Anderson lit up the house and motivated a lot of- but looking at what's going on in this country, we need to start motivating everywhere. And I shared with Reverend Lanisha that we live in Martin Luther King Jr. County. And anything relating to Martin Luther King Jr., we have to take the lead on. And we get the attention from the members of the Congressional Black Caucus, too. Uh, I understand there's not that many of y'all out there. I said, well, we'll we have a handful of dedicated people and uh, a bunch of other folks who are concerned. So uh, we did have to fight to the to get the county's name, but we also had to fight to get the street name. Uh, Some people got upset when they found out Empire Way was uh, State Highway 900, and they didn't want the MLK signs to go up on the freeway. That's why Mayor Charles Roy wanted to cut it off where Martin Luther King intersects with Rainier to appease the people on the other side. Well, other people on the other side were bigots. Okay, so, uh, and then you mentioned something about uh, 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 this whole thing. In 1973, in December, uh, I chaired the central Seattle, central Seattle Community Council Housing Federation. We dropped the first report on redlining. And when we did that, we started finding out about all these restrictive covenants where you couldn't sell to a Black, an Asian, a Jew, or an Indian. And uh, I was debating with one of the mayors, and it turns out that mayor lived in one of those uh, developments in Hawthorne Hills. So uh, we, and then you look at that now by the economic inequality, that's why we've been forced out of the central area of Seattle. But, you know, the sad thing is I was reminded that this is happening all across America, to black folks. All across America, black folks are being priced out of their old neighborhoods they've been in for 100 years. And it's it's really sad. And I'm happy that we got a, uh, we got a state representative that's going to be standing up, going to battle for us. And uh, you will definitely have the support of these folks here, because I know we all want the same thing. We want equity and we, we want it now. But <laughs> we're tired of waiting. We've had no affirmative action for 23 years. No affirmative action for 23 years, what kind of signals does that send the bosses? Oh, we don't have to do it. And the first thing they say is, uh, like when uh, I-200 was on the ballot, people thought I-200 did not kill the affirmative action. Uh, Governor Gary Locks, the governor's directive 98-01 that he issued in December of 1998 killed the affirmative action until last year uh, in January when Jay Inslee issued an executive order, but he had to rescind the governor's directive so that's what be killing us and then another thing too is we, we have to keep an eye on everybody all people of color are not willing to work with black folks. That's so right. we have to go with the people who go with us and all of them not coming with us because we saw a large number of Chinese immigrants. Uh, uh, and about 100 now opposing affirmative action and a half of them couldn't even speak English they had to have an interpreter, so we can't say that everybody's with us, you know when 40% of the Hispanic community. If votes for uh, 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 Ronald Re- not Ronald Reagan, but 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 Donald Trump and other right wing Republicans, it's hard to see. I'm all for the rainbow coalition, believe me. And living in Seattle with our small numbers, we've always had to have a rainbow coalition. But then things start changing. And people say, well, if I go this way, I'll get favor if, if whether they go with the black folks. So that's that's the problems that we've been having. And we have to uh, as. Uh, uh, Pastor Witherspoon put it, we got to look at, at, at ourselves first. And I'm willing to help everybody. I was one of the people that occupied Beacon Hill School so we could have El Salvador de la Rossi. It was not that many Latinos uh, in Seattle at that time. And so, uh, I mean, I worked with everybody. Matter of fact, the Japanese American Citizens League went and ta- in uh, Selma in 1965. They went back in 2015. When my family moved to Seattle, they had just been out of concentration camps for seven eight years so they know what uh, what uh, uh, injustice is like in having their stuff ripped off so uh we've always had a good working relationship there i would work with anybody that want to work for justice and for fairness regardless of what color your ethnicity yeah uh, whatever else if you are for justice and fairness i'm for you so right, can i just say like here, no, i thing? well you but can but point
8: out some examples african oh, descendants sorry, of the united states enslaved has to be a category since as as they say african americans and you know what we've seen, the contracts have been going to our new African-American brothers and sisters. The first generation <laughs> from Africa that have a different view. Their people okay. who haven't gone through everything we have.
2: African Okay, we gotta we gotta we gotta history. move on to uh we got uh Clifton Wyatt and uh, Elmer Dixon and uh do we have anybody else? But anyway, these guys, there's this is significant because uh something happened with them on April 4th, 1968. So I'm gonna start with uh, Elmer and let him go. We have about nine minutes. We don't have as much time as I'd like to have, but go ahead, Elmer.
9: All right, hey uh, hey everybody, how y'all doing? Um, So April 4th, 1968, um, I found myself walking through the door of juvie, uh, being arrested uh, after having uh, uh, sat in at Franklin High School a week earlier. Uh, to help them get a black student union. And so myself and uh, Clifton Wyatt and Larry Gossett, Carl Miller, uh, Aaron, my brother, um, they went to jail. Me and Clifton went to juvie uh, for unlawful assembly. And when we got in there, as soon as we walked into the big holding room, uh, everybody was crowded around the TV. (laughs) And the commotion, as we found out, was that MLK had just been assassinated. It was almost as if that they had got us off the streets to prevent us from organizing uh anything uh and um uh, and so the, the irony of it all is that uh a, a two days later um little bobby hutton had been assassinated in oakland he was the first member to uh join the black panther party and the first to die and so when we were down there uh that same group of people and there was about a, a bunch of us that went down to san francisco state university to attend the west coast conference of black student unions uh the s- keynote speaker that night was uh chairman bobby seal and um uh, he told uh about little bobby's murder and of course he was very mad and pissed off and talked about our blood running in the streets you could almost see the line drawn in the sand those that were scared to death and those of us that were ready to die and uh aaron and i and a few others made a beeline to chairman bobby and told him we wanted to start a chapter of the black Panther party that was where the Seattle chapter began we were the second chapter overall and the first chapter outside of the state of California.
2: And now uh, Clifton Wyatt you were uh one of the people that was involved in that demonstration. Now I'm trying to remember did you were you went to juvenile right? Did you, yeah, you I, I went, to Juvenile? I went to juvenile along with it.
10: Uh, Elmer I recall that day we got arrested out of Garfield when they hauled me out for for Seattle finests. I saw Elmer sitting in the car in front of me that they put me in a separate car and took us down to Juvenile. But that that sit-in that we were involved in was a week earlier. And so Elmer's right. It was like they went out a week later and rounded up people they thought would organize and be on the streets riding that night. And they put us away. Me and Elmer in Juvenile and the rest of them downtown in jail. Who were the rest of them? Uh Larry Gossip. Uh I think
9: uh It was Aaron. Aaron uh, Carl Miller. Um and, and it may have been EJ Brisker.
10: And I think it wasn't uh Larry Gossip's brother for some reason.
9: Ricky and, may have been in that arrest okay, with them yeah, as well. Yeah. Ricky, yeah.
10: Yes. But it started with the week earlier when we were uh had a riot. Uh, well, I say riot as they call it back then. When we took over the school of Franklin, when two of the black students, it was like the straw, like I say, the straw that broke the camel's back. When Al, uh, when uh, Charles Oliver and Charles Flavor got kicked out, that was the straw that broke the camel's back. I mean, it's after the two black girls, Nan and Joyce, were suspended for wearing naturals. Then they turned around and kicked them out for no apparent reason. And we just organized and had a
9: sit-in, a peaceful sit-in. Yeah, that, I'm glad you clarified that because there was no riot when, when we met with them in the uh, beanery. And I don't know if those of you remember the beanery that was across the street from Franklin. Uh, and they had called us from Garfield because we had the first high school black student union on the West Coast at Garfield High School that we had organized there. And they called Aaron and Larry from the UW. And they said, well, we asked them, we said, so what do you want to do? They said, well, we, we want a be black uh, studies program. You know, we want them to stop harassing us. So we said, all right, let's go. We walked right across the street walked into the principal's office, told him to get out, kicked all the administrators out, and took over the office and told him we were staying until our demands were made. And uh, the next day, we stayed overnight. The phone rang, and one of us answered the phone. Franklin High School, just like we were running the school, and it was the principal begging us to get out, saying, okay, you can have the Black Studies program. They can have a BSU. Please get out of my office. Uh, So (laughs) it was a peaceful overthrow of the administration at Franklin High School.
10: And if any of you recall... They had probably a thousand down at the old cl stadium. The parking lot. They had a thousand police ready to storm the school that day. They they mounted up a whole over a thousand of them were going to storm the school to kick us out, to
9: arrest us, to take us to jail that day. I, I will say um, now, fifty some years later, that um, when Aaron and I got out. Uh, we snuck in the back gate up at uh, uh, Broadmoor. Y'all know where Broadmoor is—the oh, yeah. private community up there with the golf course—and went up on the 13th hole, and uh, with a gas can, burned a big giant BP, uh, 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 black power BP, in the in the uh, in the grass on the fifth on the on the 13th hole. To uh, de- <laughs> that was our demonstration of support, and also our anger expressed over the murder of uh, of uh, Martin Luther King.
10: And talk about fire, that same night, the fire took over the lumber mill that that was right on the corner of Rainier, where Rainier and Martin Luther King crossed, that that they burned the lumber yard down.
9: Okay, that was actually a little bit later, but that's okay.
2: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, uh, anyway, uh, uh, like I said, uh, we're we're out of time. Larry Vegas has called me right now. Larry, you're a day late and a dollar short. (laughs) But anyway, I do (laughs) do wanna take uh, an opportunity to thank uh, Representative Chapalo Street for being here, and, and I stand the whole hour and answer, but I can't get him any other times, but it's good good to get him right now, so you got you know all the people on here, so they'll be coming to you, uh, tra- suggesting legislation and some other things to enhance our community. So uh, Reverend Dr. Kerry Anderson, thank you. Uh, Reverend L- Lanisha de Bartlein and Dynamic President and CEO of the Northwest African American Museum, thank you. Bishop Reggie, Tell the sisters behind that I said hello.
4: Yeah, we're hey, on look. vacation. Angela, She's Angela, you guys were Angela talking Lyons, about Franklin. She yeah, was, I, I, I
2: remember.
9: It. So hey,
2: hey, what I'll see, see you a little later this afternoon, and then uh, uh, you hey you can have a good time down there in Tulsa, man. So make sure you stay away from Greenwood. Now they still. Might hey, be- I,
9: you know I've already been over to Greenwood. They've got a, a new uh, museum called Greenwood Rising, that is excellent. Um, I've been there. Amazing. Yeah. And, and, okay. if, I, and if I may, Glad, that's why thank April you very 4th much.
2: is so critical. Okay, thank but we are out of time, everybody. And but I want to remember, say, Trans- remember university. all these events. <laughs> I want to, I want to thank Sound Transit uh, 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 Office of Civil Rights, Diversity and Inclusion, the Port of Seattle's Diversity Contracting Office, the City of Seattle's Person Construction Services Office for their support, and the SeaTac Bar Group LLC, the owner the African Lounge and Mountain Bar out on Concourse A. Uh, so I want to thank y'all, and I'll see you on Tuesday. In, no, come back you back in town uh elmer dixon
9: right on thank you very much Eric. enjoyed you guys thanks okay, all right. thank you. Man. have a good day everyone see y'all power to the people
4: yes sir oh, blessings
5: to all of you
1: hi my name is Mian rice the diversity of contracting director for the port of seattle as a public agency the port of seattle serves the community and our investments should benefit everyone who lives and works here the Port is committed to equity, diversity, and inclusion, and to leveling the playing field. That means continuing to open doors to contracting opportunities to all, especially women and minority-owned and disadvantaged businesses. How can you participate? List your business in Vendor Connect, a database of contractors. Attend PortGen workshops to learn how to do business with the Port. Learn more about contracting opportunities at PortSeattle.com. Org. For more information on operating a concessions at Seattle Tacoma International Airport, visit lease.seataxhops.com.
0: At Sound Transit, we not only give people more reliable ways to get around, we're connecting diverse neighborhoods to an entire system of opportunities like jobs, school, friends and family, and to the airport. Our commitment to economic development provides opportunities for women and people of color to compete fairly for sound transit contracts. All of this helps our regional workforce grow and thrive. Go to SoundTransit.org and search DBE to learn more.